0: No upfront charge for site
3: build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply.
4: Easy. Welcome to the uh, program. The one who could is the worst candidate of all time who there's no one, my shoe, could beat, Hillary Clinton. I stand by that, but it looks like Donald Trump is currently not even performing as well as my shoe would perform against Hillary Clinton. We want to talk a little bit about the Bradley effect. Clinton is getting a little pompous and thinking that maybe she can make this victory even bigger. Hillary... You better watch yourself because I don't necessarily believe the polls. The Bradley effect. We'll talk about that as we start with the polls right now.
0: Of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck program.
4: All right, we want to take a look at the uh, polls with uh, Stu uh, because the poll numbers, uh, the poll numbers are not looking good. And really, w- where they're not looking good is uh, Congress and uh, the Senate. At least that's what I'm hearing. But every time I hear something, I go to Stu, who's actually looking at all of the polls, and he's like, no, that's, that's not right. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't always say that, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, do. I think right now the Senate does,
1: is not, it's not looking good. It's moving towards Democrats. Um, uh, the polling is showing that a pretty substantial move recently. What we've seen throughout this is that the Senate candidates have performed better than Donald Trump in almost every case. There's a few exceptions of that um, where there's a strong Democrat running. Uh, you know, uh, Indiana is an example of that where Trump has done uh, better than the Senate candidate. But largely, uh, you've seen the Senate candidates for Republicans outperform Donald Trump. Um, and the question is, if Donald Trump stays competitive, that it looks like that will hold the Senate for Republicans. If he can stay competitive, let's say within the Romney margin, you know, four or five points, something like that, uh, probably Republicans will have enough to hold the Senate. It'll be tight, but they probably will have enough. If he wins, there's a good chance uh, that the Republicans would hold the Senate. The issue here is if he loses by a large margin, McCain level or more, if that is to happen, the Democrats will probably. What was the spread on McCain? Eight points? About eight. Yeah. It was a high high sevens. Okay. Um, And so that sort of margin they just can't outperform him by that much. There's too much inertia bringing the tic- all, all the down tickets down. And, of course, obviously, he's outwardly fighting the down tickets as well and say, you know, saying that they're fighting against him and, and, and
4: everything, which is not going to help. The Monmouth poll, which you have said is a, is a good poll. Yeah, but one of the best in the business, for sure. Um, Monmouth poll came out yesterday, and Hillary Clinton is at 50%. Donald Trump is at 38 Yes, that's probably his worst. Monmouth. Who's ever heard of
1: Monmouth? <laughs> yeah. Remember that? Remember that? <laughs> yeah, that was Monmouth. Uh, and then Until the, next, the next week. And the next week when it had him winning, and then it was a great poll. Monmouth is one of the great polls. <laughs> uh, Monmouth is one of the highest-rated pollsters out there. It's an A-plus-rated uh, pollster uh, by 538. It's, a, um, it's probably the single worst polling result for Donald Trump the entire cycle uh, of 50 to 38 is really bad. Remember, they're not polling in any of these races, um, with the exception of state, local state, you know, state races in uh, like places like Utah. Uh, they're not, even McMullen's not even an option. Um, so we, we don't really know in many of these cases whether McMullen is showing up past one or two percent. Now, he's not on a ton of ballots, but still in an election that could be close, uh, you know, it should be, he should be being polled at this point in every state he's on the ballot at the very least. And that's not even happening yet.
4: But, um, but uh, Jill be- Stein is at three percent. Gary Johnson is at five percent. Boy, I want to tell you, the biggest, the biggest uh, missed opportunity I think I've ever seen. Mm. This this was the year for the Libertarian. Oh yeah, and Anytime. the Libertarian just did, they didn't go anywhere. They didn't go anywhere. You would have put Rand Paul on and they would have had a better chance. Oh, man. Oh, my God. I mean, oh, Rand chance. Paul might be winning the election right yeah, now. Yeah, he might. Right. Uh, I mean, I, it, it is he such he a he huge, might. huge mistake uh, of the libertarians. I mean, yesterday I had uh, Bill Weldon for yeah. TV, and we were doing the think tank where we're all sitting around and we're just chatting, and somehow or another somebody brings, up, uh, uh, somebody brings up the Supreme Court, and he doesn't really give a list. And I said, what about Judge Andrew Napolitano? And he said, I don't know. That guy hates everything. That guy doesn't think anything is constitutional. <laughs> well, we've made that joke, too. <laughs> yeah, but See I don't his think face. it was a joke. I mean, yeah, I don't think yeah, it was yeah. a joke. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he just doesn't. I mean, It's
3: because he's not libertarian. He's
4: not libertarian.
3: Neither no, of them not. are. Neither of them
4: are libertarian. I think he is. I think Gary Johnson is libertarian, just very, very liberal, and so selects his libertarian views Uh, you know, is like, for instance, you know, we would give our benefit of the doubt on some things over others because of our point of view. If you're going to change, if you're going to start stripping things away, we would start stripping things away faster in other areas than Johnson would because of our point of view. Right. I I think, well, none of us in this room
3: agree 75% of the time with Bernie Sanders.
4: No. None of us. No.
3: <laughs> and, no. And it's hard for me to accept the fact that a libertarian could possibly agree with the
1: socialist on 75% of issues. You'll be happy to hear it's not possible. It's
3: not it possible. Not well,
4: he said, it's not possible. he said that he um, agrees with Bernie Sanders on the problems, not necessarily no, the he, solutions.
3: Uh, he, took the, he took the survey, the which, poll. Is, right.
4: which is how do you feel on these oh.
3: issues.
1: I mean, the correct answer is the survey Five percent. is not accurate. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, it's a flawed survey. The issue is less about him taking the survey and agreeing with Bernie Sanders, and it's more with him touting that like as all a positive. The time. I, I mean, yeah. I, he's a bonehead. I and mean, how would a libertarian tout agreeing with a
4: socialist as a positive? Bizarre. Uh, and I've never understood. I've never, I've never seen again, an election so like so weird, yeah. This. Yesterday... Everything's upside down. Yesterday, I said, uh, so, um, Nobody is. nobody is touting nobody's coming for the conservative constitutionalist nobody's coming for those people and he said he's castle obviously yeah he said um well uh uh you know they're they're all wrapped up in the trump thing and i said No. no they're not no they're not no they're not and uh, I said, the Trump thing, right? I said, there's a lot of people. How do they not get it? No, right. They, do they don't. Have you ever seen more clueless candidates? Than no, this? all of them are clueless. I mean, that's nobody and the media is too. no one understands the conservative. That is a constitutionalist. That is actually a small government. Wow. Constitutional conservative. Nobody understands that. And um, I said, so. He said there's a breakup coming. He said, depending on what happens with Trump, he said, uh, but if Trump loses and he decides to go the rigged way, he said we are in for real trouble. And the guy that we had on yesterday from Pendulum, Roy Williams, he said if he goes for rigged or even soft pedals rigged, real trouble that we should we should prepare ourselves to find ways to get around so we don't kill each other um, because we don't have to. Um, he's already soft our- peddling that. He can't stop talking about that. What? The rigged, the rigged election. Thing. Yeah. He said, if he, he does goes. that, he said he's going to put a deep fracture into the Republic. And I think he's going to, because his, he's already doing it. Yeah. His television thing is coming stop. up and that's how he's selling it. Mm-hmm. I'm the only one that will tell you the truth. And I'm the only media source that you will ever need. Mm-hmm. Um, And um, so anyway, so Weld said that the party will fracture and it will fracture into the Trump people and then the Bush people. And I said, well, what happens to the conservatives? And he said, oh, well, they're with us. Well, (laughs) no, 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 they're not, Um, as evidenced by your what is it, five percent. No, they're not with you. Everybody here is splitting the socialist vote. (laughs) That's all that's that's happening. Uh, Jill Stein, Gary Johnson, even Bernie Sanders, Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton. They're all splitting the road to socialism, big government vote. There's no one that is saying, let's go the other way. I mean, I I think the two options that are
1: saying that would be McMullen and Castle. I mean, both of them are definitely playing for that vote. And, and, you know, Castle is not very active, I would say, in the campaign. We've not been able to <laughs> to, uh, to, fight, to get the guy on the air at times. I was like, I was saying he should have a tent out in front of our studios. We're the only guys that have mentioned him in this entire campaign. He should just be every day when we walk in, he should be like, and hey, he guys, am I on up? today? Am I on today? Do you need me on? I'm going to be out here in my tent. I'll be out here in my tent. I got a sleeping bag. I'm right here. You're I'll right. come on anytime you want. That should be the Daryl Castle approach. Yeah. Uh, yet we call him and don't hear back
4: for weeks. Uh, so whatever, I mean, I, you know, look. He, which has is, which is taken my vote, and I've gone, oh, I can't vote for this guy. Because he's not serious about it. I mean, it seems like he,
1: you know, he, look. He's not serious about it. party life is difficult. A lot of times you have to, you have to run people, you know, he, and he's been a longtime party activist. He's one of the founders of the Constitution Party. So it very well might be that. Like, That's why what, I'm leaning McMullen, though. Yeah, but, but Evan yeah. is
4: out there, and he's You were this. the one who talked me into Daryl
1: Castle.
3: I know. And now I'm trying to talk you back into how can it? What will it take to get you
1: into Evan McMullen now? <laughs> uh, so I don't know. I mean, I, he, and he's been obviously he's the one you know making noise right now. I mean, he's at another poll showed him uh, right. I don't have the in front of me, but he's been in. He hit 29 percent uh, in a poll. He's one point behind uh, in Utah. Can you believe uh, that? I mean, it's incredible. One point. We talked about this. He's new- been campaigning for three months. For three months, and when he announced, he Got had no hundred Twitter followers.
4: Yeah,
3: hundred. Oh, no, he's at seventy thousand or something, yeah. something close to that.
4: I mean, and, and I think if it, 70. if if, you know, if he had money behind him, and he had oh, a campaign, yeah. he he could if actually he got Romney
3: donors going. He could actually sweep could make the a Mountain tent. West, yeah,
4: he oh, could win. U- he might years.
3: win
1: Utah anyway. He could also win Idaho. Yeah, maybe Nevada, Wyoming. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, and it's uh, here's the thing too. We talked about this on Pat and Sue the other day. He has McMullen has two things working for him. One. Terrible candidates. Historically terrible candidates. And we all knew that when he got into the race. That's why he got into the race. The second part of it, though, is he's conducted himself very well. Yeah. For a guy that's yes. never run a race, never ran for office before, he's done a really good job. He's He hasn't Wicked screwed smart. up. He's smart. He knows the stuff. Unlike many of the other candidates in the race, he and knows all of the facts he and when understands understands doesn't the policy, know
3: those he doesn't pretend to right I mean he's like not the out. Dugan thing last week
4: he, yeah he admitted yeah I don't, I don't know who that is mm-hmm. yeah. And so I mean largely I just asked like something that. I asked something of Weld and I let him go yesterday because I mean once he said Theodore Roosevelt, I was like, okay well, if that's your favorite president then you're not, We're done. You're not a libertarian <laughs> yeah. you or you don't know anything about history. And I mean, he clearly knew history. I mean, he absolutely. was quoting the Constitution at yeah,
0: length I yesterday,
1: uh, and he also mentioned Reagan. Uh, it was, a, you know, it wasn't the only person. You just heard Theodore Roosevelt, and then your volume went off. But he also mentioned Ronald Reagan. Yeah, I, d- I really didn't
4: hear him after that. Yeah,
1: right, no, no, like it him. was
4: weird. It was, it was like, are you still talking? Because <laughs> I can't hear you anymore. Sadly, it was forty-five minutes of that. <laughs> I know. I know. Did <laughs> anybody notice that I was kind of like? I'm out of questions. Uh, Stu, you got anything? Yeah. Jeffy? <laughs> we did notice. Yes, thank you. Hang on. Yes, uh, you have a book to read or something, Bill? Because I was just... I, I heard that, and, and it was it bummed me out so much. That's what it was. Yeah. I it was, just bummed me out so much. And there were a number of things like that for me yeah. in that interview. Well, the idea of... And he came back. I said to him afterwards, I said, I have to tell you, I, you lost all of us, uh, you know, with your health care thing. He said, what do you mean? And I said... Repeal and replace, and, and you're still what kind of libertarian point of view is? Well, we're going to replace it with something the government does. And he said, No, I said I wanted to replace it with the free market system. And I said, That's not, not what you said. That's, that's not what, we, not what heard, we heard, at
3: least. I heard he wanted to fix it. I didn't even hear he wanted to repeal it. Yeah. I heard he wanted to fix Obamacare.
4: Right. I, so if he wants to. Yeah, he said, because he, he said afterwards, wow. I said, wow, well, we did not hear that at all. We did not hear that not at, at all. all. Well, you just said you didn't hear anything
1: he said past the time you said theater. Well, well I was doing like, this. I, I should have said Pat and Stu
4: and Jeffy said they didn't hear <laughs> that at all. Uh, now, this um, blinds.com. We're going to get to the poll numbers here in just a second. Uh, we've all used blinds.com, and if we can do it, so can you, because believe me, Stu, are you handy at all at the house? What's the handiest thing you've ever done at the house?
1: Uh, well, if I call a certain phone number, a man shows up and starts doing things at the yes,
4: house to right. fix things. That's uh, pretty uh, cool. That's the handiest, handiest
1: thing you've ever done at the house.
4: Uh, I call Stu's phone number
3: <laughs> and ask him for <laughs> I his I mean, we, uh, are really,
4: we are really bad. Yeah. Blinds.com has changed the way window treatments are purchased, making it simple and mistake-free. Tanya and I used Blinds.com. We used a design consultant who was a very big help, and they have 100% satisfaction guarantee. So even if you mismeasure or you pick the wrong color, they remake your blinds for free. Blind shade, shutters, drapes. Get made to order custom blinds without paying the custom prices at blinds.com. Plus, you'll receive a site-wide 20% discount now through October 31st when you use promo code Beck. Go to Blinds.com, use the promo code Beck. Get your 20% discount now through October 31st. That's blinds.com, promo code Beck. Blinds.com.
0: The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. No
3: upfront
1: charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Sign
3: up for the newsletter and get all the info you need to know at glennbeck.com.
4: So did you guys see on Facebook or get any email or anything yesterday on on Bill Weld? On, on, did anybody feel he fared well? Not that I saw. Not <laughs> that I saw either. Not that I really saw. It's really, it's sad. Mm-hmm. It seemed yeah, like a sad. nice guy. It seemed like he was pretty smart. Yeah, and, oh, and No, he's very smart. He's a nice
3: guy. He's a smart guy. He doesn't know... He doesn't know conservatives, or, or he doesn't care. I, I, know, you know I know who he is?
4: Presidential He's Mitt Romney. He doesn't know our audience. He's Mitt Romney. He is Mitt. When they're good friends. Yeah, they're good friends. So that's they come a really from Massachusetts. So, yes, it is. How the libertarians selected Mitt Romney. Can you imagine if they would have actually s- s- said Mitt Romney is going to be our running mate? Now, that would have been smart if you had somebody who was like Judge Napolitano. Mm-hmm. Who, is, uh, who is, you know, just hardcore constitution, we're not going, no favorites either way, left or right, and then bring a Mitt Romney in to say, well, it's going to kind of moderate all of this to try to, you know, let's be a little progressive in our thinking that we're not just going to strip the government clean overnight. Then it might have been right, but what they're doing is they're putting a Mitt Romney in With a guy who is also a leftist thinker, he confuses the people by saying, I agree so much with Bernie Sanders. Well, wait a minute. That's not what I want in a libertarian. I want a small government guy. And then you bring Bill Weld on, which confuses it even more. But I think they think that Bill Weld is the constitutionalist uh, Republican. I think they think that that's who we are. I mean, if you believe in the Constitution, then you must be like Mitt Romney because he believes in the Constitution. You know who is he's idea? a conservative. You
3: know his idea of a good Supreme Court justice, right? Uh, yeah. Stephen Breyer.
1: Is that what he said? And Merrick yeah. Garland were the two he brought up. Yeah, this is one of the questions I had for them. That uh, you, you oh my gosh! And that was that was actually oh my well gosh
4: who, who said that? Well, he, he said to me. That's I said terrible. I don't know if I said this to you guys. I wrote to Judge Napolitano yesterday. So you got to watch the TV show. I asked, I asked him, I said, uh, you know, what do you think? He said, well, some of the names that I've already brought up, you know, are pretty good. But uh, I don't know. I mean, we'll look at it when we get there. That was his answer. And I said, OK, what about uh, you ever th- thought about Judge Napolitano? I wanted to see where he was on Napolitano. So what do you think about Judge Napolitano? And he said, well, that guy doesn't like anything. Uh, he doesn't think anything's constitutional. OK, <laughs> maybe a funny joke, but not coming from you. You need the credibility that you understand small government. You have to have that credibility.
1: I mean, I don't want to get too much of the weeds of libertarian uh, poly, po- politics uh, from the party. But, I mean, this was the debate they had. I mean, it, it, the libertarians at the time were debating between someone who was much more of a purist. You know, we talked about Austin Peterson when he, he came on the show with us before yep. their convention. And he, much more in line with typical libertarian values. The idea was that Johnson uh, presents a guy who has a good resume, who is not just an activist in the party, who's not just, you know, a a guy who can, you know, write about libertarian theory, who's a guy who's actually governed. And for two terms as a Republican, you're going against Donald Trump, who's a terrible candidate. You have an opportunity to take some of their votes. You take them. And Johnson was key. He was the key in bringing well done. He argued passionately That I need Weld because it's going to essentially give us double the media opportunities. People know Weld. He's been around for a long time. He can go on. He has relationships with all these people. He can go on media. He can do interviews. He can do things that uh, some unknown activist will never be able to do. And and at some point, I mean... At some
4: level, that's good.
1: At some level, that's good. And, and at some level, it's worked. I mean, you know, uh, the Libertarian Party has never been able to get over about a, a percent and a half in the vote. And 5% sounds crappy to us because they should be able to get 20 in this election. But they'll probably have the highest vote total by far they've ever received. I mean, by accident. In through
3: the the back door, I, they they could be kicking down the front yeah, door right they, now with the right guy. I agree. With the it right guy, they could be guy,
4: twenty-five or thirty percent with a yes. Rand Paul type. Yes, if they would have really seriously considered Rand Paul, I don't know he, he would have done it. But it would be a different story. The Glenn Beck program.
0: Mercury. Yeah, right,
4: all right let's <laughs> <laughs> all right let's let's get to We have so much to talk about today. I want to talk to you a little bit about the Ted Cruz retracted tweet, and is that positioning? Is that a mistake? What was that? Um, uh, you know there's a possibility that Ted is trying to position himself as after the election. It's time for a new course and I think. I'll we'll wait to see what that. Da- I, mean, I i am off the uh, I'm off the train of of somebody coming You're in and people. trying to be yeah, yeah and trying <laughs> to be the leader on on something. When you uh, anyway, we'll just move on. Um, give me the give me the poll results here, Stu, because I'm worried about something um, called the Bradley Effect on both sides. For instance, those people because there's a backlash now if. If you don't say you're voting for Clinton and you're on the left, they'll bash you and say, you know, you're just for Trump. It's worse on the right if you say you're not going to vote for Trump, they will bash you. So I'm not sure that the poll numbers are right because do you want to go through the hell of just not, just, just go along with it, just go along with it and how many people don't even want to admit to their own family or their own spouses that will go in and pull the lever on the right for someone else or they'll say they're for someone else but when they get into it they're like I don't want Trump in so I know I said I was for Jill Stein but I'm going to vote for Hillary we're definitely seeing that beginning um, right yeah. they're just going to go they're going to pull out of these i'm saying that i'm voting for you know, uh, Gary Johnson, but I'm going to vote for Hillary because Hillary is the one with the third party lean. She's got a much, she's pulling much stronger from the third parties than Donald Trump is. Most polls show that. Right. So they are appealing to her. You got, everyone should celebrate the third party because they're not hurting Donald Trump in comparison to how they're hurting Hillary Clinton. The spread becomes wider when those parties are left out. Um, but the same can be said with Donald Trump. How many people will say I'm not for Donald Trump? Right. So
1: the, is, this goes to the Bradley effect. Start, let's start there. Tom Bradley, he was the mayor of Los Angeles. This is back in 1982. He was running right. for governor. He black uh, black guy running mm-hmm. for governor, um, was ahead in all the polls, wound up losing the election. The belief was that people in the polls did not want to admit they were voting against the black guy. Because it would feel like they didn't want to admit they were quote-unquote racist, but then their racism really showed
4: when they got behind the curtain. Which is such crap. What they didn't want, possibly, mm-hmm. what they didn't want is they didn't want to have the argument or be called a racist. Right. I And mean, yeah. they just didn't agree with the guy. It could be that too. Right. Right. Um, and so
1: that is the Bradley effect started there. There are there's some examples in that era, between the 80s and even into the early 90s a little bit, where it seemed like it was a thing. Um, there has not been an example of this particular type of thing because, in all the time.
4: Because what the media is calling the Bradley effect is racism. Yes. That you're racist. I don't think so. It is a natural avoidance of conflict in your personal life until you close the curtain. So... This, the country is so divided that you are a racist if you don't vote for Bradley, okay? And so if you, if you just don't agree with him, but you're not a racist, you just don't agree with him, just go along and say, yeah, I'm, yep, yeah, I'm with you. And then when the, when the curtain closes, you're like, I don't agree with him. It's not racism. So if it's racism, then it doesn't apply. But if it's, if it's actually political correctness, that you're tired of political correctness, but you're so tired you've just given up. And you're just saying, for instance, yes, I'm for I'm for Trump because you don't want to beat up by the pro Trump people. Or you are actually pro Trump, but you're but you're saying to your friends that you're Hillary. You just hate Hillary so much. You're just like, I'm I'm gonna go for Trump. But your friends will kill you if you say you're for Hillary. Yeah. Okay, And I think both of them have this. I think Hillary has the possibility that there are so many people, we've talked to them, so many diehard Democrats that despise her, despise her, but they are so afraid of Donald Trump. The same thing with the Republicans. They despise Donald Trump, but they're so afraid of Hillary Clinton. That could shake apart once the curtain is closed. It could. Um, you know,
1: there wasn't really um, a sign of that in the primaries for Trump. He typically underperformed his polls in the primaries. Again, it's a different audience with the different options. Yes. Um, there's a, there's, so people have talked about this two ways. The way you're talking about it with Trump in which, you know, people uh, don't want to have the, the issues of saying, I like Trump. So therefore, they say they like Hillary and they get it behind the curtain and they vote Trump. The other one that has been discussed is people who are saying they like Trump because I want to shake things up, I want to bust things up, I want to burn this thing down. When they get behind the when they get behind the curtain and it becomes real, and they realize yes, they will. You know, I don't know if I can pull the trigger for. it. will. Maybe they will. It will. The I, people who are coming to his rallies, and that's another thing. Well, the rallies know. are one thing. I'm saying yeah, a, no, no, no. But hang, hang on just a entertaining second. Entertaining the, the option of this
4: guy. The people who say they want to burn things down or they want him to burn things down, they will be there. Nothing will stop them, and if Hillary Clinton thinks that she's going to uh, just 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 take it, you know, while we're ahead, you know, they're now talking about expanding their lead. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Make sure you have the win because you look just at fervor, the Trump people, the people who are die-hard Trump. There is nothing that will stop you. Could have. You could have nothing but uh, uh, airplane propellers surrounding the voting booth, (laughs) and the Trump people will be like, "I'm walking through those blades." Yeah, but everybody's made into salami. Have you seen all the the dead bodies that have been sliced up? I'm trying. I mean they're not gonna going to stop. They will go vote. Again, I'm not I'm not sure Hillary's people will. I am not referring to those people. I mean there's obviously people who are at the rallies punching punching protesters in the faces. They walk down the alleys yes they're on gonna both show. sides. On both sides. A lot of those uh, yeah, Trump Absolutely. a lot of those Trump people are being beaten up by Pro Clinton, exactly. Both. The, I'm not talking about those people. Those people, yes. of course, are going to show up to vote. I'm talking
1: about yes. the the person who's like on the borderline, and they want to. They're entertaining the Trump thing because, because you know, I, I made this case before, and I think it's true. I think America desperately wants to vote for Donald Trump. They can't stand the idea of another Clinton. They can't stand the idea of another Democrat corrupt person. It's just that Donald Trump constantly talks them out of it. I mean, the, he absolutely is the right uh, brand of candidate for this election. Yeah, the outsider, the yeah, guy that wants outsider. to come in and shake things Just, up. Yeah, he has yes. everything going for him. His pa- the, the the Donald Trump um, profile is perfect for this candidate. Without this Donald campaign. Trump, without Donald Trump, I mean, if this was an effective person who was good at this. You know, he would easily be winning. And
3: honestly, even I think a normal would, Republican
4: would be, would be winning here. He would, it would be a landslide. I, can, I am convinced. Now, not Ted Cruz. Not Ted Cruz. Because Cruz would have gotten the same kind of thing that, to some degree, that Donald Trump is getting. But he wouldn't have had the scandals uh, that are just so indefensible. Um, but they would have made Ted Cruz into this scary guy who's going to starve your children to death. That's, that's, they're good at that. That's what they would have done. Sure. So I think it would have been, for Ted Cruz, I think it would have been competitive. Not this close, but I think it would have been competitive.
1: Oh, well, I, think, I think Cruz would be winning, absolutely. Too. Yeah, I think you
4: would be but five points ahead. It would not be 10 points. A blowout. Yes. If it was Marco Rubio, I believe it would be 20 points ahead. And I, I actually believe, with what we now know, about what has come out on Hillary, all the WikiLeaks and stuff, I really, truly believe that the media wants to see Hillary get what she's got coming to her. But they are so deadly afraid of Donald Trump that they have said what a lot of Trump supporters are saying, no, no, you can't say that. Don't forget about that. Stop him. Okay? Anybody who actually is doing it for beyond ratings reasons, they are doing it because they believe he is more deadly, which tells me if that is indeed true, and I think it is, if that is true, as soon as she becomes president, all bets are off. You know, it's kind of like that thing where, hey, we saved your life because you saved our life. Now it's paid in full. I am now your enemy. The next time we meet, it will not be on friendly terms. So don't screw up. And I really think that that will happen. I really believe, because they like Cain. They like Cain. I don't know how. I know, I don't either. But they like Cain. They don't like Hillary. And uh, I think when this is all over, if she wins, she does not have the... Barack Obama protection she doesn't have the Bill Clinton protection I think she has the John McCain protection as long as as long as there's no one better we're with you if you're hurting our enemy we're with you but the minute you start the minute we've got somebody else that is an easy fit that we like that's slightly better than you you're dead to us For instance, I get a lot lot of posts, Glenn Beck sold out to the media. He thinks he's, are you kidding me? You don't think I know? You don't think that I know that any of these these people who happen to be uh, saying good things about me now, the minute Hillary is the president and I say, that's unconstitutional, that's wrong, you think they're going to like me? No, of course not. It's the John McCain effect. And anybody who doesn't learn the John McCain effect, as long as you're on their side helping their person, they love you the minute they're done. The minute they're done conquering whatever hill they're conquering. But I think that's going to be, I think Hillary Clinton has so betrayed the media, so betrayed their trust, lied to them so many times that the minute she gets the queen... The minute she's there, she's going to be Nixon to them. We will make sure you're honest or we'll take you out. I, I, I would bet my life on it. Mm. I don't know.
1: I mean, I think it's... She's so so certainly going to get a much r- rougher road than Obama received. And, uh, oh, much. You know, much, much more difficult. I don't know that a 20-point blowout for either side is possible. No, no, no. this, point. this time, it's too partisan. It's, no, no, no. We're, we're, you know, no, I think if Rubio was running even, i even think with rubio i don't think that sort of margin is possible uh, however uh i think you could you could you could be at 10 or 12 that yeah. you could definitely convince me that you could convince me of what's happening to donald trump right now and in, in the worst of his polling could be happening to hillary clinton if it was oh rubio. yeah and oh. i think i do believe this honestly any other of the 16 <laughs> republican candidates would be winning i'm I saying jim gilchrist
4: morlandson would be winning this race. Just right George, that. George Pataki. George Pataki. Literally any, <laughs> of <them>. anybody, anybody <laughs> any of them. Anybody who is on the train now because you feel you have to be there, I get it. But anybody who was on the train from the beginning, this is what we told you over a year ago was going to happen. We begged the american people guys they're they're gonna they're, they're gonna slaughter him and that's not they're why we slaughter him
1: it's honestly not why i opposed trump in the primary no. it was for many other reasons like right. i don't know his policies but that i was mean we made the, the equation right it's part of the equation because i was trying the... to tell you uh, you know i mean ted cruz uh, marco rubio john Kasich, yeah. uh, scott walker all of these guys outperformed trump in every pre-election poll Constantly, we're outperforming them by five, six, seven, eight points. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you can't look at this much information and reject it unless you go to online polls and you believe
4: those people. You're going to wind up with this. Right.
0: Hmm.
4: All right, let me tell you about American financing. American Financing Corporation, NMLS, 182334, www.consumeraxcess.org. <laughs> yeah. Pat, <laughs> it's not necessary every time. Falling into debt happens. Uh, Why do falling, you think that was Pat? It was Jeffy. Falling into debt happens, and if you're in a hole, only digging more only makes the hole deeper and harder to get out. American financing consolidate your high interest debt into one manageable monthly payment. Everybody remember, close your eyes for a second and remember that time not too long ago where we all had debt and we all wondered, how are we going to make the next payment? What are we're not going to make it to next month. There is a way out and we've all been through it.
3: Remember yesterday, Jeff, interest
4: rates are at all time lows and it's a great time to refinance. Now, they can save you five hundred to a thousand dollars on your payments every single month. Go to AmericanFinancing.net, 866-750-6551, 866-750-6551. America's Home for Home Loans is AmericanFinancing.net, 866-750-6551, AmericanFinancing.net.
0: This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.
4: Glen Beck program all right, Stu, are you seeing any um, any effect of uh, damage being done to the Republican in House or Senate? you know they they were threatening last week uh, or this weekend the trump the diehard Trump supporters that they were going to go in and they were going to trash the GOP and they were going to make sure they were going to work against the GOP in uh, the House and Senate races.
1: The strange argument from a candidate whose main, uh, you know, positive point is supposed to be the Supreme Court. I'm not exactly
4: sure how you'd get anyone confirmed without the people down ticket. It's why, but see, this is why I've said, you have to be careful who you're standing with. There are a lot of people that do not, that there, there is a, I don't even know what it is, 10% of the Trump crowd that is not who you think they are. And they are the most vocal. They are more alt-right. They are burn it down to the ground. And they mean burn it down to the ground. They 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 will yeah. destroy it all. But that's not the average person that's voting for Trump. Have you seen any effects of this? Is this happening at all? Are those poll numbers weakening more than they should be? Uh, e- e- per- perhaps a little
1: bit. Um, I think you're seeing now... A big move towards the Democrats in the Senate, which
4: can we, can we can we go over that with us a sure. bit next hour? We'll do that. Next.
0: This is the Glenn Beck Program.
5: Mercury. Mercury.
4: Millennials. Don't count millennials out. Millennials are the hero generation. They are just biding their time and looking for someone that will stand up and say, let's go this way. Um, Hillary has mocked Catholics in leaked emails. Then there's Donald Trump. A lot of uh, millennials are saying, especially Christian millennials, Where do I go? And they're staying home. Audria Taylor of Because I Care, a campaign that's online now, joins us uh, to explain millennials, how they're thinking, and what the millennials need to do to create a better world. And we begin there right now.
0: entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program.
4: A good friend of the program and somebody who used to work for me and is now on their own doing a campaign, Because I Care, and it's uh, becauseicare.us, right? Correct, yeah. Um, And you have felt compelled for a long time to work with millennials at 17 years old. You were out doing all kinds of things and I think you're a rising superstar. Um, tell me tell me where millennials are right now.
5: They're just apathetic to the political process. Um, they don't like the the candidates. They don't like the parties even. And so I think the concern is that a lot of them are going to stay home. There, a lot of polling and studies are showing that millennials are less engaged than they were in 2012.
4: Which is the opposite of what the Democrats thought would happen. Oh, because yeah. Of, because of Barack Obama. They thought that they would... They would develop this army mm-hmm. of millennials who would come and march into battle with them one after not another. Not the
5: case. Not the case. And so what they're dis- discovering is that millennials are a really fair game right now for, for anyone because they're, they're seeing through the hypocrisy in both parties and they're realizing, hey, I don't, I don't think I'm into this. And so what we're talking about is you might not like the candidate or the party, but we vote because we care about too many other things and uh, our community and our nation, uh, locally, our friends that's still looking for a job. There's too many issues too close to our heart that we care about. And so we're talking to millennials on over 40 college campuses nationwide. And we're saying, let's vote because we care about too, too many other things.
4: So who does a millennial vote for? As I watched, as I watched the campaign, I tried to watch it as a millennial. I try, to, mm-hmm. I try to watch it from four different perspectives. And one of them is millennials. And as I watch them, I realized uh, this last election or this last uh, um, debate that we all thought authenticity was the key word, but it's not authenticity because I believe that in a way, Hillary Clinton is authentically who she is. She's nobody. She's she's hollow Mm -hmm. and she is fake. I think that's who she really is. I bet you if you meet her in real life, much of what you see is who she is. Yeah. Donald Trump is authentically like that. I don't think there's a, a, a game or a face. True he's true to himself. Yep. He's himself. Yeah. Okay? I think the word is transparent, mm-hmm. that you would say, this is who I am, flaws and all. Mm-hmm. Hillary won't say flaws. Donald won't say flaws. An and so there. we need truth. Authenticity without truth mm-hmm. is, is nothing. Without humility is nothing. Mm-hmm. And as I'm watching these two, I think to myself, they look to me like 1956.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Millennials would have nothing to relate to with these two. Well, nothing.
5: You, well, you said it. It's truth. Millennials are on a quest for truth. They're trying to discover what truth is. And so what we talk about a lot is that millennials have to discover that for themselves. We've had a lack of education for us to even delve in and begin having those conversations. But then we're also encouraging millennials. It's not just about these two candidates, although it represents the, the problems in the political yes. system. Uh, there's so many other races it, statewide and and congressionally and locally that millennials can have a huge impact on. We're the largest voting block right now in history. And so when we look wow. at us sitting back and, and not you know, participating, largest generation in U.S. history. And so millennials can have a massive impact if we decide to do something with that power.
4: What is the response on campus?
5: The response on campus has been good because they are they're encouraged that someone's not telling them who to vote for. Uh, and that we're not telling them the answers in a party. And so the only voice right now that's been on campuses is either a Republican group or a Democratic group. And millennials are saying, I'm not either one of those. And when we talk to them and say, look, we realize that we're not going to tell you who to vote for. Mm -hmm. You vote according to your conscience, but we're encouraging you to educate yourself and to care about these things. And we realize that you don't like politics, I don't like politics, but we vote because too many other things are important.
4: So... um Help me out on the churches. I think the church um, uh, has really done more damage to itself than Jim and Tammy Faye Baker did, Jimmy Swaggart did. Um, And because that one is about an individual, Mm -hmm. this is about the institution. Millennials, and correct me if I'm wrong, I hope I'm wrong, millennials, at least the ones that I know, you are a good example of it, or don't tell me about it. I'm so sick of hearing about it. Yeah. Show me. Solution. Show me, not just a solution, show me what you are doing. I'll follow you if you are doing it mm-hmm. and it's making a difference. But what's happened is, in my point of view, millennials have been going to church. They've been listening to this. And then they see when the chips are down... You jettison all that and make an excuse and say, well, but it's different this time. That's putting your faith in action, but in the wrong direction, which if I'm a millennial, I'm sitting at church, which I don't want to go to on Sunday, and I go, these people don't mean it anyway. Why am I going there?
5: That's exactly right. And it's because we're not consistent in our biblical worldview. So churches are picking a candidate that they like for whatever reason.
4: Or picking because they don't like the other one.
5: Exactly, but they're not consistent in explaining their biblical worldview because it's not consistent and they know it's not. And and this is happening not just nationally, but also locally. We've seen this happen to churches locally too. So they need to talk about a biblical worldview all four years, right? Not just every four years, every two years, and talk about those biblical principles and how they apply to the tough issues of our day. When they do that consistently, authentically, truthfully, you're right. Millennials do understand it, and they want to be a part of it. But the church hasn't done that, and they've been hypocritical in the way they've approached elections for a long and time. That
4: is the thing that we don't we don't understand. This generation is different than the preceding four generations. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the the this is your generation is the hero generation. Um, that's the actual title. Mm-hmm. Um, it is the generation. That is exactly like the generation that came up in the Great Depression mm-hmm. and fought World War II. Mm-hmm. And so you're all about action, you're all about togetherness. It's why you can be swayed by um a socialist message mm-hmm. because you want to do good.
5: It's our number one goal in life. Right.
4: You want to do good. You want you look at the world as a collective, mm-hmm. and if somebody's saying those things to you. It immediately connects, yes, um, but if nobody is on the other side saying, yes, we can make a difference, we can make things good, and we can we can make things better together, but we have to remember the individual that you count, yeah, it goes awry,
5: absolutely. Millennials volunteer more than any generation before us in history. We give to more charities than than any other generation in history and we're we're young right now so why is that you're right it's because we're the hero generation we want to make a difference and so we we have to connect that to to voting and help millennials understand that that part of your civic responsibility and part of you making a difference part of the way that you love and serve and care for your neighbor is is in the voting booth and the and the way that you elect your leaders and and who you elect to represent you and delegate that authority to so um, it's absolutely right that we are the hero generation. That's, that's what we want to be. What is
4: the number one, if you listen to the parties, the number one thing that millennials want is free education. Is that true?
5: No. I think it's a lack of education really understanding. Millennials want everyone to have opportunity, and they don't understand that the best thing to create opportunity is a free market system. And it's not free handouts. It's it's a system that is is so prosperous that it allows for people, you know, to work their way through college and, and to do it themselves. But I think uh, for a long time, we haven't talked to millennials. We've talked about them, but we haven't really spoken to them. And there's other people that have, and they've done it really well. And, yeah, their
3: teachers have yeah. talked to them. Their teachers yeah. have taught yep. them. That socialism is superior to
4: capitalism in
5: Christian colleges, yes, Christian universities, oh,
4: yes. Yeah. I've talked to people. Uh, I've talked to people at Liberty, and I've talked. To How people do we overcome BYU? That? How do we overcome it? I don't know. I've, I've talked to BYU and Liberty University, and they both have said that you know there's there's it's tough. <laughs> To find a biblical worldview person that believes Mm -hmm. in the American system of free markets. Yeah, they're having mm -hmm. a tough time. And and get them to teach. It's almost impossible. And there's,
5: there's two reasons. The first is they use secular textbooks that are written with communist and socialist messages. Right. Unbelievable. And then they hire professors that have a really great credential but have never been trained in a biblical worldview. And they put them in the classroom and they think that if they pray before class it might magically translate into a biblical worldview and we we know that it doesn't you know we see it we see it played out right now
4: What an interesting mm-hmm. thing to say that if we put them in there and we just have them pray at the beginning it will magically transform them
5: maybe up. quote a bible verse and start to you know yeah that'll transform <laughs>
4: them so um are you registering people
5: yeah so what we're doing is we're working on 40 christian college campuses across the country And we're realizing, we we all know this, 25 million Christians were registered in the last election, but they didn't vote. And I'm not even talking presidential. There are so many other important races. So we've created a really great system that helps millennials get to the polls. We tell them where their polling place is. We help them register. 25 states you can still register, but a lot of these students have to request absentee ballots. So this is a great tool not only for college students, but also for Christians to share and, and make sure that, that people get to the polls. The, this is too important of an election for us to allow two candidates at the top of the ballot to define the rest of our decisions.
3: If before we've educated them, do we want them to vote? I mean, I'm nervous <laughs> about that, frankly, because, you know, like you said, they, they tend towards socialism right now. I, because that's what they've been taught their whole
4: lives in school. I so they just didn't... have to echo... I just have to echo... Thomas Jefferson, on (laughs) trusting the people. They'll get it wrong, but eventually they'll get it right. We have to trust the people.
1: That's a different standard, though, than what I think uh, many people do, which is, you know, rock the vote or whatever. Uh, It's like... Rock the vote after you've thought about it for 15 seconds. Yeah. If you thought about the issues for 10 minutes in the past four years, then rock the vote. If you haven't done that, don't rock the vote. It's, there's no if shame. It, but she's,
4: what she's saying is that that's what their group does. Exactly. This is not rock it's, the vote. It's
1: exactly what we need. We need people because, I mean, you know, we always we sit here and blindly encourage people to vote. It's actually a terrible instinct. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, and that should thing. not be voting if you don't know the, anything about the right. issues or candidates.
5: Yes, and le- exactly what you said. Rock the Vote does, you know, a hundred campuses, right? But they they don't educate, and so we've started with a smaller number. We're on forty. We're sponsoring educational events on these campuses, and then we're feeding them a lot of messages that go in line with what are these principles? Why why are the reasons? Uh, that we should vote and and really covering those because, yeah, we want to get out the vote.
4: How can we Uh, help uh, you get the word out?
5: Have people go to becauseicare.us and and just check out what we're doing. Share it with your kids, uh, with your college students that are on a campus right now, or even with Christians maybe within the church that that might think about voting, but but don't get out and actually do it because it's too important for people's communities, for your, your local government to sit this one out.
4: Because I care.us. Remember that. Because I care.us. I'm uh, on my way to TCU this week awesome. to spend uh, an evening with the students out there to hear where where they're at. What should I expect? I'm actually kind of I'm a little nervous.
5: I think they're going to be really eager to have a conversation with you. Millennials are are eager to learn uh, and f- learn from people that they I don't
4: want to teach. I want to learn from them. I really want to learn, and I want, because I believe millennials, and I hope I'm not disappointed, I believe millennials are more like you.
5: They are. They absolutely are. They absolutely are. No, but I think you're going to have a really good conversation with them, is what I'm saying. You're going to learn from them, they're going to learn from you. Uh, I think that you'll discover that um, they're not as uh, pre decided in their thought process as people think that our generation is. They're really not. They're searching for truth.
4: That's great. Thank you so much. Thanks for God having. God bless. Me. Um because i care.us. when it comes to the safety of your family and your home, you can choose a complicated, expensive, long-term contract with a system that you never really own, uh, or you can be simply safe. Simply safe has a home security system that gets you the best protection, the protection that is in my daughter's house and uh, the one that my daughter and uh, her husband chose for their home. Why? Because they're millennials. And they thought this through. They didn't want somebody coming in to upsell them. This is no contract. You control it. You own it. Um, they move from their house. They can move it to another house. It's all wireless. And it's $14.99 a month for the monitoring. No long-term contract. Protect your home the smart way. Visit simplysafebeck.com. Go there now. Get a, get free shipping on your order and a free keychain remote. worth $25. It's simplysafebeck.com. That's simplysafebeck.com
0: back program. Triple eight seven two seven back.
5: Mercury
0: A Glen Beck program.
4: Let me go to Billy in Pennsylvania. Hello, Billy. You're on the Glenn Beck program. Uh, hi, Glenn. How are you? Very good. Hi. Um, I just wanted to call in and give you my opinion. Um, I am a millennial. I'm 24 years old.
1: Um, I'm a Navy veteran, uh, married, raising two small children with strong Christian values. Um, I just wanted to give you my opinion. I'm the president of a pro-livery group at my college. And um, through the millennials I've come across, I think – more and more of them are very liberty-minded. They just don't really know that they are liberty-minded. Like, they agree with a lot of our uh, points of views. They just uh, yeah, we're hor- never we really heard of a libertarian. Horrible.
4: We are horrible at expressing our point of view, at marketing our point of view, at at reaching out. We have been painted, liberty-minded constitutionalists have been painted into this corner, we're we are practically handing the the left the paint and the paint brushes absolutely um, and they don't like what they see we're not appealing to anyone because no. quite honestly right now we're not living it absolutely. we're saying it we're not living it thanks billy i yeah, appreciate and- it oh wait go ahead uh, oh, sorry, we hung up on him too, too fast. I'm sorry, Billy. Thank you for your call. Well, there may be a little bit more education that needs to take place uh, because we have a report today that 32% of the millennials uh, were surveyed, uh, believe more people were killed under Bush's presidency than Soviet dictator Joseph Stalin. I mean, and uh, Mao. That's and unconscionable.
3: <laughs> that is amazing. Uh, because Bush killed more people than Mao and Stalin combined. Do they know that?
0: Yeah, <laughs> over a
4: hundred million people. Well, but see, you know what that is? Again, Again that goes to so you. Ridiculous. Education. They did not learn anything about Joseph Stalin. They did not learn anything about Well, no, That's Mao. what
3: that article, I think if that's the same one I read yesterday, yeah. that's what the article goes on to explain is that they don't understand the dark side of communism
1: at all because they haven't been taught it. I mean, uh, 80% of baby boomers agree with the statement that communism was and still is a problem. 80%. Yeah. 91% of the elderly agree with that statement. Millennials, only 55%.
3: That's no. higher than I and then, thought. And then you look at the... You, you look
4: are at, not talking me out of the millennials. I am not going there. Look at the favorable
3: <laughs> between capitalism and socialism. They're more favorable, I think, in this survey yeah. to socialism than capitalism. Yeah. Uh, but, that is
4: because they are a wee generation. It is well, it's because they've been taught it their whole lives in yes, school. Yes, but it's also instinctive to them. When you see, the, when you see um, the, uh, the problems that we have, what millennials, their mindset is, look at the problems in the country and the world. It doesn't have to be this way. And all of the old people are arguing about stuff that doesn't make sense. They all say that they have a solution. None of those solutions make sense. And then a socialist rides up on their horse and speaks their language and says, we can solve this together. That goes right to the heart of who they are. Who they are are people that want to work together to solve problems. And, you know, the people that you you'd see interviews with people that actually went through the Soviet uh, revolution. I saw the most amazing, boring, but amazing documentary with people who... Actually lived through Stalin in the twenties, and what they were forced to sacrifice. And I want to tell you about that because this is the mindset of the millennial. If we don't reach them, and we are screwing that up big time. Back in a minute.
0: We are the Glenn Beck Program. me. Program.
4: So if imagine that you are a imagine that you are a millennial and you're 20 something years old and you're seeing the world as it is today and you're watching people on television on television, which is no longer a part of your world. You go over to your mom and dad's house and they're sitting on the couch watching television, which you don't do. You don't do it. You don't sit and watch an hour of commercials in a television program. And so it's already kind of cute and quaint. It's kind of like going over to your grandparents when they had the plastic on the furniture. You're like, they're just old. Don't, you know, just, just go along with it. Okay. So I don't know if it's quite that bad. It's pretty close. It's pretty close. Millennials <laughs> do not watch television.
3: I mean no. No, they, they watch not. it less,
4: but they do watch it. No, they not do watch cable it. news. No, not no, not yeah. cable news. Nobody
3: watches cable news anymore. Yeah. Okay. Well yes, they Very do.
4: Few. So the ones who are connected to to politics, they're watching cable news. So they come over in, from their world into yours and you're watching cable news and you're seeing Usually, two old white guys and a young person, a millennial, a girl, a hot girl, who isn't talking at all like any of your millennial friends is like old people speak, mm-hmm. and you're rolling your eyes at her because you're like total sellout, and the other ones because you're like this, this is so obvious. There's not, they're saying the same basic thing. They're arguing over things that oh my gosh, I don't know how my dad does this. Okay. That's the world they're coming from. Then they go to their world where they're listening to Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton and everybody else saying that jobs are good. Hey, we're on the road to recovery. They're massively in debt. They have, they are, they've gone to college. All their friends have gone to college. Their friends aren't getting jobs. And let's not forget. If they are, they're underemployed. Yes, they're underemployed. They can't pay for their. And let's not forget. They've
3: been told that the debt they've accrued is somebody else's fault too, which drives me it out is. of my mind. The, their debt is not their fault, they believe. Well,
4: which pisses hang me on off. just a second. They have now, they see this crushing debt that they have. They accrued. Hang on just a second. All right. That the old world as they see it Mm -hmm. has been encouraged since they were little. you got to go to college. When are you going to go to college? Where are you going to go to college? you got to go to college. Got to go to college. Everybody goes to college. Got to go to college. Got to get into a good college. Everyone in their life who they're now seeing represented on dad's, grandpa's TV set yelling at each other about a solution that they know won't work. And they think to themselves, I, I mean, this doesn't work, and I'm screwed with this debt. Meanwhile, while everybody's been saying, got to go to college, got to go to college, got to go to college, they went to college, and where everybody, where mom and dad said, this is the best college, this is a great college, those people that mom and dad endorsed taught them that you didn't really incur this debt, and this whole system doesn't work. And so maybe I do know a little bit more than mom and dad. Even if they don't go that far, they know this system doesn't work and they don't want to become like mom and dad who are now in debt. Dad's still having to work. Maybe their retirement isn't coming through the way it was. They haven't really been happy. Mom or dad have just been kind of tolerating each other for a while, maybe till the kids go out or they've drifted apart. Or maybe they're really happy, but they're they they are under such pressure with debt because of the house and the lifestyle that the millennial looks at and says, "Why not just buy a smaller house? Why did, we didn't need all this stuff, mom and dad? We didn't. Why did you do that?" It would
1: be great if that's the way
4: they were. I don't see that's it. the way they were thinking about these things. It doesn't seem like that's the way they're thinking about no, it. It is. Not. Good example of your
3: generational um, thing.
4: So I'm telling of course, you, of course, someday. they're being indoctrinated to think the other way right but here let, let, let's think about some this believe they're entitled to the house that
3: mom and dad are living exactly in. right, I, right. Move I agree out of that house i agree why, with you i, I agree you
4: with that up that's a
1: weird thing to bring up <laughs> Do <you> have, <laughs> i don't examples. have any examples okay you know, okay. okay so my, you have five exists. examples <laughs> you have five examples listen the generational thing you've talked about many times and this is an interesting potentially an interesting example of it the the situation the old system is is faulty right We spend all of this money, we get in lots of debt to get college. And they agree that that's faulty. You know what? I also agree that that's faulty. My, let's call it generation, would look at that issue and say, let's execute a cost-benefit analysis. Is it wise for us to enter into this agreement that everyone telling me I have to do and acquire all this debt? Should I consider being educated in, an, in, a, in a way that is less expensive? Should I chase a, a, a different way of approaching this problem? Should I have gotten a job during high school Maybe, and earned yeah, money? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. seem to be, hold on, let me just finish the point. Hmm. They seem to be looking at this as, it's not the, the idea that college should be required that's the problem. The issue is, I just shouldn't have to pay for it. I completely yes. accept, without questioning... The idea that I must go to college and must do all these things despite the fact that I'm going to spend 80% of my time not doing school work, mm-hmm. as has been shown in study after study. That I shouldn't question at all. I should only question the cost I acquire for it. And that's why we continually complain about them, uh, millennials, looking at uh, socialist solutions. A, a real, a real yeah. questioning, the, uh, the, questioning the, the status quo really is to say, do I need this? Do I need to do it in a different way? Do I do it in a way that maybe doesn't launch me? Can I, I go to trade school? Do I, yeah,
3: and Can I go to a community college. Can I go to a state university where it's going to be cheaper than Harvard?
1: Not without getting a job, though. You know, right? I, I can't and, do this. I don't no. want to do that. Right? I stopped yeah. talking already. I'm not. Glenn's giving me that look of how uh, dare you?
0: No, 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 <laughs> no. How dare you? I'm no, no, brother. no.
4: I I agree with it. your point. I agree with your point of view. Mm-hmm. I absolutely agree with your point of view. Here's where we differ. I think hmm. you know how hard it is to cut your own way. Anyway, everybody likes to think that I'm different. I'm special. I am different. Right. I'm, I'm cutting my own way. Well, first of all, that wasn't true for most of us when when it was cool to think that you were different. But this generation, it's not cool to necessarily think differently. It's to think collectively because of their generation. Okay to make things better collectively. So they're coming to it from a different place than we are. It's why, it's why grandparents usually understand, have such a great bond with the grandchild. I've always thought that it's because I don't have the responsibility, so it's kind of fun. No, it's because it's an 80-year cycle. Your experiences are closer than the experiences of your children. It skips a generation because it's an 80-year we-me cycle. Okay? So, the grandchildren um, are looking at things much differently. Our children are looking at things much differently than we are. We were more independent-minded. Also, at the time, there at our time, there were more people like Ronald Reagan who were living this and saying, be this, do this. All of society was you, you can do it. All of society now is, no, you can't do it, nor should you want to do it. No man is an island. You all have to work together for the common good. Everything is teaching them the opposite. And on top of it, who the hell do we have on our side That they can, that they even relate to. Because everybody that is on our side looks like me, sounds like me, does talk radio or a stupid talk show on television that only their dads are watching and they think their dad doesn't understand them. There's nobody positioning themselves on our side. That speaking their language or even doing anything but these ca- crazy kids, get off my lawn! <laughs> That's who we're turning into, to them. Where their professors are oh, all I don't really. i on my lawn. All the professors are really super cool and telling them all the super cool it's things right. that they can do collectively. We're not. We're not. You're ne- we are never going to make an impact trying to speak the language of Ronald Reagan to a group of people who don't know nor do they care and in most cases have been taught he's a bad guy. Nobody's going to listen to we got to be more like Ronald Reagan. We need another Ronald Reagan.
1: I don't even know who the hell that is. I mean, I think that's the point I was making and that that's the generational gap. Right, I mean that's the, yeah. that's the difference, and it's not it's just even bringing up Ronald Reagan. They don't even know who friggin' Ronald Reagan is. I mean, right? I mean, for, for you know, we talked about them not knowing who killed more people, Mao or Bush. Forty-two percent of people were unfamiliar with Mao. Almost half of them have never even heard of a guy. So, I mean, I'm not. You're right on language. I think um, what I was trying to define is more of like what what their approach is, and I think I think you've tried to do this with guest after guest after guest and Kondraki of wave after Kondraki of yeah. wave after pendulum after all of those things are pointing to the same general conclusion that these that, that younger voters think completely differently about this stuff um and I, you know i find it to be problematic i think i think you're looking at it as well how do we win them over which i think is is appropriate
4: um and, and is necessary but, I mean, I do think
1: it's problematic. I, 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 but you there's
4: know. no... There, uh, the question I keep asking, Kondracki of wave after Kondracki of wave after Kondracki of wave, and I go back and do my history, mm. and look, you do not beat... It's like standing in front of the ocean expecting to change the tide. You're not. Now, how can you get into the water and work with that tide and that force and perhaps change the direction... Because that happens every time. It's why we have the French Revolution and the American Revolution. Very different things. All the same piece. We the people. We the people. That's really important to understand. Just that one thing. That was a generation that understood, that looked at things as a collective Now, you can push back and say, yeah, well, we had the Bill of Rights. That was all about individual liberties. Yes, because they knew that the eternal truth was that no one is over you. But that's why they started it with we, the people, not I, the individual. We, the people, will establish this to protect these things, to protect the individual, We're going to get together as a collective. Now, unless you have somebody who is teaching, hey, as a collective, we have to protect the individual because that's all they want to do. We want to help the the downtrodden. We want to help. Great. Well, there's ways to do that. And And the two times before this wave was the founder's wave. And they said, we the people need to protect the individual. And what the individual, because that is supreme. Where all of the other generational we thinkers at that time went Robespierre. And said, we are the collective and we'll crush the individual that stands in our way. And that's already happening. You disagree with global warming, they will crush you. You disagree with Donald Trump and they will crush you. We are in that scenario that always leads to witch hunts and to blacklists unless somebody on our side is appealing to the youth and knows who they can be. They've just not had anybody on our side actually reaching out to them and saying, I know who you are. You're not who everybody says you are. I know who you are. You are the hero generation. And people are going to try to misguide you. We, collectively, you can change the world and chart the course away from the death you never learned about. When somebody teaches you something and you realize that somebody intentionally has kept a very important detail away from you, you don't run into their arms and say, hey, thank you for doing that. You look at them and say, what the hell were you thinking? You didn't tell me this part? You didn't tell me about Mao and 100 million people that he killed? You let me believe that George W. Bush was a bigger killer? I can't trust you at all. We have a massive win, but it's slipping through our fingers every time we betray our values by living something differently than what we say is important. Now this, we are all in this together. Crazy things will happen. But if each of us as individuals does our part and prepares, we, all of us, can survive anything because we can hang on to each other. Make sure that you have an emergency food supply. My Patriot Supply is where my family has purchased ours. It's a Four-week food supply, now only $99. That's 140 servings of easy-to-cook food that last up to 25 years. And the best thing is you don't have to wait until the world comes undone. For the love of Pete, it is, if you're, if you're struggling because, you know, you're trying to make ends meet at the end of the month, you have 140 servings of food for $99. Or you just don't want to leave the house on the weekend. Right, and go to no, the I'm store because your wife is gone, I'm just saying. <laughs> Call 800 271 63 271 63 or go to preparewithglen.com. Limit two at the special $99 price. 800-271-63 preparewithglen.com.
0: This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.
4: We're having a discussion about uh, the millennials and who they are. And the problem with any generation is 90% of any generation, 90% of all people are followers. 10% are leaders. But in the millennial case, I believe... Out of the 10% of leaders, 9.5% are leftists. Yes. Right. What I'm saying is, we need to understand who these people are, help them develop their own leaders with correct principles. But they're not going to listen to correct principles if we're not actually living those correct principles. Because that's the first sign of a fraud to them.
0: The Glenn Beck
2: Program.
4: Mercury <laughs> The Hero Generation is actually the millennial generation. I'm going to TCU a University here in Texas uh, today to talk to these millennials. It'll be a show on The Blaze on uh, Thursday. I have a, a very different look at the millennials uh, and the role that they play on bringing the country together. They are essential. Um, Pat and I have had a, uh, an ongoing disagreement, right? I don't even A, a misunderstanding, I guess, uh, on why they play such an important role. And he just said to me right before we went on back on the air, I get it. A light bulb has gone off. And I wanted to continue our conversation on the hero generation. We begin there right now.
0: Fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck
3: program. Yeah, this is the last half hour, forty-five minutes, maybe the last hour since Andrea was here, has provided some clarity for me I, I, on your obsession with the millennials.
4: <laughs> my, <It's, laughs> obsession, my obsession? <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes.
3: We talk about millennials quite a bit, and and I, I I've been confused by it because they're mostly, you know. Uh, the vast majority are probably socialist leaning, and they're, it's, they're frustrating to me. Uh, but today, I got it because of the fourth turning. You, they're the hero generation. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're the ones who have to activate the hero, hero generation. Right. For if anybody
4: you, who doesn't know what the fourth turning is, this is a book that you have to read. If you want to be a part of the solution, you have to read the fourth turning. We've been talking about it for over a year. Yeah, And it it breaks down uh, an 80-year cycle. Yesterday, we had the guy on who wrote the pendulum. That is, there are, there are three things. They're all saying, there are three different theories, and they're all saying the same thing in different ways. The Kondrakiev wave, which was the, Kondrakiev was the, the economics guy for Stalin that said, ooh, capital, capitalism will win, communism will lose. Uh, he got a bullet in the head. Um, the the based off of that is the fourth turning looking at um the economics of things and then adding in the political turmoil of this wave how does it work is there a pattern there and there is and in the fourth turning he breaks it down into the four generations of this of this 80-year period yesterday was the 80-year swing in the Kondracki Wave, or the fourth turning, of the we generation and the me generation. Yeah. So in the fourth turning, we are... The, the hippie generation is the Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton generation. I'm 50. We are the latchkey generation. We are the forgotten generation. And we are the ones that bridge the gap between the hero generation... And what is happening is the up and coming, the millennials, they are exactly the same in the same place with the same conditions and the same kinds of parents as the uh, the kids that fought World War II. And they are a we generation. They believe in collective we can do it and we can make the world a better place. But Because
3: of that, because they have that tendency, they're really susceptible susceptible
4: to socialism and communism which they are and they have been and and which is why fdr went that way right and the next time that pendulum swung into the reagan era well, that was the the 70s and 80s the pinnacle of the me generation we were all raised as me's they were raised the people who fought world war ii beginning in the 1920s to the 1940s Uh, they were all raised in a we. Now the kids coming up are, for the first time since that generation, being raised in a we generation.
3: The other thing that we've kind of worked out today, at least for me, is that I think we've been generally speaking of them as if they're these vessels of, uh, these open vessels just waiting to be filled with truth. And I think many of them are not. Many of them are, have their minds made up that socialism is the way, that this is a broken system, that uh, uh, white privilege exists, that whitey is bad and evil, and keeping everybody else down, that rich people are evil, and, and that whole thing. And, and it's, it's frustrating because many of them are that way. Now, you're talking about a smaller percentage that we can get to, and I think those exist, too. I, I, well, think I think there those, are those who, I, I don't think they're all just open vessels. And no and I think there might be 10 or 15 or 20 percent, I don't, I don't know what the percentage is, Maybe. that are open vessels mm-hmm. and that we can get to and that we can help them to become the heroes
4: that they need to be. They need to be the leaders in their own generation. And what I said last hour was, there is no one on our side that is, that is a good, we, we're coming at them like, You know, we know everything. And they're looking at us like, oh, really? Do you? Because have you seen the state of the world? It's not good. And they're looking at this not as a continual wave. They're looking at this as, this is you, old people, that did this. Okay? Mm -hmm. Just the way we looked at things when we were 20. They're looking at this and you guys created this. No, actually, we didn't. It's a long time. Many generations have done this. And so the Kondrachia wave always has a crisis that comes. It always crashes. Everything always crashes to, to like a forest, to burn itself out, the imperfections, and then fer, you know fertilize the soil and some new green shoots start to pop up. When that happens, you need the hero generation to say, we're going to make it. And I'm going to fight through it, and we're going to rebuild something even better. But none of our people, we've become the, to them, the people, get off my lawn, you kids. These kids don't get it. When I was, there, they don't want to hear that. And the ones who are connecting with them are filling them with, you're smarter, you're better. Um, so who's not listening to that? Who's praising you all the time? Uh, and you know the answer is socialism. You know the answer is collectivism. And you know you shut people down because you're smarter. That's what happens in a we generation. That's the difference between what happened with us. the The Soviet Union in 1919, uh, they went through the um, they went through their revolution. We luckily went through it with the progressives too early. They had no turning back in the Soviet Union because thugs took over. In the United States, we didn't want a revolution. But those same seeds were starting to be planted. Now, the we generation started in 1923. So it came early. Its apex was 33. And so if you look at this, we started to peak in this collective mindset 1903 to 1915, 16, we started saying collectivist, collectivist, big government, global government. It scared the American people, and we retreated and went the other direction, and the roaring 20s hit. Mm-hmm. So we missed it. But as soon as the crash came, which is inevitable, in 1933, that was at the apex. And that's when FDR could get on and say, hey, everybody, we need to get together on this fireside chat. And I will lead you. I'm your dad. I'm going to lead you. I'm going to show you what we need to do. And because we were in this collective period, we all said, yeah, yeah, you're right. We got to go his way. We were lucky enough to have a benevolent dictator in FDR. A guy who never met, this is his quote, never met a communist that I don't like. I have many communist friends. There's nothing wrong with communism. That's his mindset. So he took us down this road and we went because we wanted to make the world a better place. That's why our good grandparents, we looked at them and went, that's not you. That's not, that's communist. No, we did the great things. We did the things we had to. Saw this documentary on... Russia. They went through it in nineteen nineteen. By nineteen twenty-three, Stalin is in power. And this is an amazing documentary. Boring is not, but learn things about it. That, learn things about Stalin and Russia that I never knew. If I said to you, hey, we're gonna build a better world, and Pat, I need your family to move to Alaska. In fact, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to select uh, randomly 35,000 people. I'm going to send you to Alaska because you're going to build coal mines and a coal fire plant. And I know you don't have any experience in any of that, but you guys are going to go up there and going to, what would you say? No. Yeah, right. <laughs> but he did, what Stalin did, is he had the youth and he had convinced the youth that we have to build strong families and we're going to change the world. So in the early 1920s, what Stalin did was he selected these, these youth leaders and said, you're going to build a strong family and you're going to move up to Alaska, you're going to move to Siberia, and you're going to build these coal fire plants because it's the future. Well, when they got there, the living conditions were horrendous. You should see the films of this stuff. 1920s Siberian? No. Yeah. Horrendous, like you couldn't believe. People are living in one big shack, and it's like a hundred families. They weren't
3: luxury condos? No, they
4: weren't. Huh. Um, they were wrapping their hands Weird. in rags, you know. And, and then, the great thing is, because they had killed all the people who knew how to run things, nobody really knew how to build anything, and nobody knew how to fix machinery. So, and there were no parts. So they got it on YouTube? Yeah. So they, they, they actually d- dug the foundation... Of these coal fire plants and then started digging the mines for the coal with shovels. How'd they know how to do it? How'd they know what to do? They had a few people and they just powered through it. And it is astonishing. Your kids didn't go to school. Nothing. Is that on Netflix? I don't know where I saw it. So it's on Netflix or Amazon or something. Um, But they talk to these people who are now in their 90s. um, And, you know, it's like 10, 20 years old. They talked to these people who were in their 90s, who were there. And they all speak glowingly of it. Not necessarily the former Soviet Union, but of that time. And they all say, Stalin might have gone wrong, but Stalin was right. We could do anything. And we went there, and we sang songs of the revolution. Plus, it was probably family bonding time. Yes. And they said it was the greatest time of our life because we wow. knew we could do anything to change the world. That's what the message is from the left to the millennials. Yeah. And what are we saying? Get off my lawn! Well, I, I don't want them on my lawn. <laughs> I know you don't. I really don't want them on my lawn. We lose because these guys, when you, prov- when you provide them with a vision... Yeah. And it is the vision. It clicked in me It's recently. frustrating, though, to, to, to us
3: because we see them creating their little safe spaces and they don't want to oh. hear any contrary points of view.
4: Why? And they because they can
3: handle anything because in their life.
4: Because they're only being spoon-fed that. If you see a scary Halloween mask, out of my you can mind. come in and we'll talk about right. it. Right. Okay, so what happens? Right. So hang on Counselors. just a second. So hang on just a second. Let, let me take a quick break. I want to I answer that. All okay? right. Because what happens? You say they can't handle anything. they got a little space. And so what do we do? Remind me, we'll pick it up right there when we come back. Um, and now this. Goldline, European Central Bank's first chief economist, said yesterday, one day the house of cards will collapse. Last month, the euro's political founding father said, at some point in the future, Europe is going to be hit by a new economic crisis. We don't know whether it will happen in six weeks, six months, or six years. But in its current setup, the euro is unlikely to survive that coming crisis. So what do you do? If the euro collapses, country collapses, ours collapse, everything collapses. And notice he says, in the current setup, the euro is unlikely, which means there is new framework being designed right now to replace. In that transition period, it doesn't have to be a freakout for you. This has happened to the world and the country several times. It doesn't have to be a freakout if you're prepared Call Goldline right now. Ask them about their legal tender unit. Now, this is made by the Australian Perth Mint, and it's their little, their square coins. The first time legal tender units have been made, and they're all individually sealed, easy to distribute, easy to spend if that, God forbid, we get to a barter system, but easy to make sure you have something of real intrinsic value. Call 866 goldline 1866 goldline or goldline.com. Go there now, 866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com.
0: The Glenn Beck Program. Stream the show live on iHeartRadio or listen later on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play Music. Mercury. program.
4: okay so pat quickly uh set up what you were just where we were
3: uh we were talking about safe zones and safe millennials spaces and millennials that don't want to hear anything other than their point of view and what
4: is our typical response to that you're pathetic
3: really? yeah you're <laughs> a bunch of buffoons
4: correct I see a scary yes. clown mask right and Stop also it. correct and also get off my lawn right and get off my lawn okay, okay. That is our typical response because it's true. I'm sorry. It is Life is not easy. Right. It's not easy. Okay. This is mainly about bedside manner. And I've learned this from my friends. I have friends who are no longer friends who disagree with me because they disagree with me on politics. And you could go with with liberals or conservatives. And I have friends who have come to me and said, Glenn, you know how much I love you. And I think you are a great guy. But I have to tell you, I've done soul searching on this and I don't understand your point of view. Okay, well, let's talk about it. I can't go there. I can't go there. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm for Barack Obama. And I'm for, I see the world as a, As a socialist thing. Okay, I don't. But we're still friends. And others who have done it the other way with Donald Trump. And then I have those friends who, and those guys are all friends. And then I have people who come to me and say, you're a piece of garbage, you traitor. Mm -hmm. I'm not listening to them. I'm not listening to them at all. You're stupid. That's not the way. What's wrong with you? Don't you know? Mm -hmm. I've thought about all those things. I do know. But thank you. And I never talk to those people again.
3: Yeah, the difference between you and millennials is they haven't thought about any of these. Yes.
4: Things. Hang on just a second. But they are surrounded they are their entire life yeah. by people who are saying to them, you're special. No, I know. They, they open, your opening dialogue it's with everyone true. is, you're special, you're different, it's you're true. better. So when we come and say, they, you're not that special.
3: They draw stick figures and they're told that's beautiful art.
4: Correct. Right.
3: Correct. That belongs in, in the Louvre.
4: Correct. Okay? <laughs> Everything is right. You got a math problem wrong? Well, you didn't really get it wrong. You're just a less creative right thing. Than you do, usually You're just a is. creative thinker. I like the way you think. <laughs> so anyone who comes to them yep. and says, "Get off my lawn," your immediate response is, because my immediate response with somebody who says, "I'm stupid," is, "Shut the hell up." My immediate response is, "You're stupid." Especially if I've been told that people are going to come and say you're stupid. And they're the, they're the real problem.
3: So it's, they're the real problem. Talked about it a million times. It's the participation trophies. It's, yes. it's yeah. the game balls for right. for everybody, no matter how they played or didn't play. It's It's all of that stuff that has created this problem.
4: So what I'm saying is bedside manner makes all the difference in the world. Especially... When we are perceived, and now much to our own doing, as hypocrites, absolute hypocrites, do you know how easy it is going to be if Donald Trump wins when he puts together his social programs, his stimulus package were $700 billion, that we were against Barack Obama's $700 billion stimulus package, when he does it, when they say, "Wait a minute, you were for you're for this, you were against it," it was about race. Yeah. You lose. You lose. Right. We are digging ourselves into almost uh, into a hole that is almost um, almost so deep you're just never going to get out of it. Don't go into that hole. Bedside manner with the truth is critically important. Back in a minute.
0: back program. Mercury.
4: You, I want to talk to you a bit about um, Mercury One. There's a couple things going on with Mercury One. And David Barton has joined us. He's on the board of directors. And David, the, um, what is about to happen uh, with Mercury One? Everything is going smoothly with that, without Everything getting into detail? You've got to turn on your microphone, David. I'm sorry, time. it's not on. Yeah. Um, it is, uh, there is something that is happening. Can somebody turn this microphone on for David, please? Yeah, it's it's David, probably not it? potted up. No, it's still yeah. not on. Okay, I'll talk. Well, somebody comes in here and and turns his mic on. Um, The um, I'll give him give him yours. Oh my gosh, what a self-sacrificing! I'll give him. I'll
3: give him mine. Don't let that. I got. I'm. (laughs) (laughs) You know you don't get up. I'm
4: not getting (laughs) up. Okay, so actually getting the chat. What's happening at Mercury One? We can't talk about yet, but I believe that it is. It feels like, and it's not, but it feels like almost the fulfilling of prophecy. I mean, it is so remarkable. Would you feel, do you
2: feel that, David? Yeah, it's significant. It's profound. Uh, it's outside the American realm of experience. Yeah. And therefore, it takes on some depth that we're not used to.
4: Yeah. This is like this is so ancient in its in its uh, well, we, meanings. We,
2: we talked last week. I mean, when, when you're actually protecting the body of one of the Old Testament prophets mentioned there, and, and that's you're talking 3,700 years old. You
4: know, and it's just like, oh my, yeah, gosh. this. So this this group of Christians that um, some things are uh, coming for them. Um, this group of Christians, they lived in this very significant Old Testament town with an Old Testament prophet, a Jewish prophet, you know, um, uh, buried in his tomb and a small shrine. They knew that ISIS was coming, going to kill all of them, but also destroy this Jewish shrine. And so they went in and they dug up the body, opened up the shrine, and, and took the body out and escaped in the middle of the night with this 3,500-year-old body. And they are protecting it. And Mercury One is helping them. And it's amazing. But that's, that's only a fraction yeah. of the story. And when we can tell you the full story, what's going on, it's unbelievable. Um, and we want to thank you so much for the Nazarene Fund and helping us, we told you uh, what a year ago that we had raised twelve million dollars. We are now down about six million. One operation and more than that, we're down nine. We're down nine nine million this year.
2: We're, we've already spent nine. We spent nine, and we've moved just under four thousand people to safety. And, and I mean, we're talking. Uh, we just got word yesterday, uh, one family member being sought by other family members for an honor killing because. Christian, she was Christian. The brother converted to ISIS. He has to go back and kill all the Christian members of the family. Had to do a, a, like a midnight extraction to get her out of there. We've now sent
4: her to some country across the world where she's safe. We've, got we've, several- had, we've had that happen with a mom and I think three daughters. We, mm-hmm. we had to have a former, I think, SEAL team. We have former SEAL teams that go in and do yeah. this. And they've, they've gone in. We pay for these trips to go in where the father or the brother has converted to ISIS, has to go kill. Yeah. And this we've helped this family escape and put them in hiding in like three different countries. It's,
2: it's well, remarkable. We've got one now where that a person is about to come out of jail for blasphemy, which means they're simply a Christian, and they're going to try to kill them when they come out of jail. And so we, we're waiting to extract that one out and get them out safely. They're in jail simply for being a Christian. We've got 17 families that have fatwas was issued against them where ISIS is actively looking for them, having them move them around from home to home across the country. We'll get them out, extract them. Uh, I mean, the, the level of danger and death that these guys face is, is just unbelievable. And
4: all of this is possible. Someday when this is passed, we are going to be able to write a book on what has happened. Um, but it is it, it's Second World War Jewish hiding people. Yeah. You know, this is. This is the Corey Ten Boom thing that I told you a year, year and two months ago. Yeah. That was our goal. It is happening, and it's happening because of your funding. We are now the the largest charity group for Christians and Yazidis, right? Isn't that That's right. how it is? That's right. In the Middle East, which is nuts. That's nuts. Yeah. Um, but we are down now to about $3 million. We have one thing that's going to cost us about $6 million to to do for an entire community. We really need your help. If you can uh, donate 100% of the proceeds, that nothing pays for telephones or, or people's salaries Stay or anything for else. Personnel,
2: it's 100% it's to rescuing people.
4: 100% to what does it take to get these people out? Um, and you can go to mercuryone.org, Nazarene Fund. Uh, you know, just look for the Nazarene Fund, mercuryone.org, and uh, and donate. We need your help. Um, tell me about this real quick, David.
2: Um, we just had uh, Michael, who's on staff, came back this week from from Iraq, and was approached by Peshmerger General, and of course that's the KRD guys up the in Good, the good guys. Yep. Good guys trying to defend. And one of those guys who was a soldier, great soldier by all accounts, was killed. And I mean brutally, brutally slashed up and chopped because he was such a good soldier. They've made an example out of him, And so he leaves behind a young daughter. And the young daughter
4: wove this herself. Now this is, if you feel it, this is like an oriental rug. And it is an oriental rug of the United States flag. And so she
2: gave that. She gave that to the general to give to Mercury One because she said Mercury One's the only one that's been up here. That's the, the only one that had been part of the country. Only one that cares up here, and and so, I, you know, I, I, she probably didn't know what the American flag looked like before she started in, in that region of the world. And here she is getting that to a pastor. And by the way, here's something kind of kind of fun. Um, Father Aram, we we have pictures up of him sitting up there with, with generals when. When Father Aram came up, um, keep going a little further. There he is, right, that guy right there. Go to the, go to the picture now with him with all the the military guys. What happened? This father right there, when the when the fighting started, he jumped in there, back up there. There it is. He jumped in. He took a gun and went to the front lines with the soldiers in his robes, in his clerical robes, standing on the front lines well, you fighting. We want to back talk there. about the black black robe regiment. regiment. Exactly right, brother, the black robe regiment. So that's him standing behind the soldiers there. Now, you see the flag in the background? That, that's, the, that's the front lines for carity. So, so back up a couple slides. I want to show you where the lines are, how close these guys are right there. You see that? That is the front lines. And if you look on the left side, you see below the horizon just a straight line across there. That's yeah. the ISIS front lines. They're looking oh. at the ISIS front lines. And that's where we're moving people out of. So, is that these close? These taken by Mercury One. This was taken by Mercury One. Michael took these just a couple Good days ago. Heaven. This is just a couple days ago. So that's you're looking down the so gun barrel. So we're bar, taking ISIS. people
4: out of there. They're that
2: close to ISIS. We're, they're that close to ISIS, and we're having. And, and, and let me show you some of the churches. Um, go go to some of the church pictures. Have been blown up churches, and so you'll see one of the churches that's been
4: blown up there. And it's, we're going to run out of time, David. I need you to go to Facebook Live at, at the top of the hour, and yep. David and I will go do a quick Facebook Live at the top of the hour. So there,
2: there's the churches, and we just got word from the pastor. He's got to be extracted now. Wait, but That's the same church? That's before and after? That's that's yeah. blown up. Oh, my up. gosh. And they're blowing up the churches, and he's tried to stay there as long as he could, and now his life's in danger, so we're having to move him out. He finally gave up and said, I, they're, they're, it's too close. They're they're Killing my family. I,
4: I, I want you to know, first of all, we want to thank the countries that want to be thanked. Some of these countries have opened their doors, yeah. but they've said, please don't tell anybody. Yeah. Uh, the United States is still not one of them, uh, but there are many countries who oh, have Glenn, quietly t- opened their doors. We door. took 55 Christians last year, 10,000 yeah, Muslim Syrians. but Yeah, t- yeah. I know. Um, and who are those? anyway? Yeah, um, yeah well, uh, different story. Uh, yeah, they're, the they're, I guarantee you they're, they're not the ones being uh, pulled in for an honor killing. That's, right. um, That's right. That was it's, the grand total. We want to thank... 55. Yes. 55. 55. 55 We've Grand moved 4,000. Mercury One has moved 4,000. That's a bad... And bad. the United States of America has done 55. embarrassing. Yeah. And nobody... And we're not putting out press releases. We don't care. But nobody is talking about the heroic audience. Yeah. The audience that has made four... Saved 4... People. This audience, no other audience has done this. You can talk all you want. This audience has saved 4,000 Christians and Yazidis. And it is something. We got more to save. Yes. We got more to save. Yeah. And something big is coming that I think you're going to want to be a part of. Yeah. Because, I mean, I'm just, I, I mean, like physically inside right now, just thinking about it, I feel, I it there's something to this it is big it's eternally profound it is eternally profound i don't know in what way but it is eternally profound and um uh you're going to want to be involved and a dollar a dollar makes a difference uh you can go to mercuryone.org now
0: i want to tell you something
4: yeah i want to nazarene fund you put it in the nazarene fund then all the money is dedicated just to that I want to tell you, too, about a a fundraiser that we have going on. Now, this is so we can pay the people to do all these things, so we can keep the lights on and everything else. We do one fundraiser a year generally, um, and all of the money goes to the overhead to keep the lights on, to keep the heat on, to keep people employed, and to keep... Save Christians out of... Save Christians. That's right. Okay, so this is all for the other stuff. Uh, but we like to give you something in return for that. We want to give you an experience in return for that um, if you need one. Uh, we are having our annual gala, which is uh, going to benefit Mercury One's general fund. It's for the overhead expenses. Individual tickets are $350. Uh, the MC that night is going to be Dana. Uh, we have um, country star Sarah Evans is going to be there. Are we going to do – we're doing a we're we're giving doing the away, raffle. We're doing a raffle, giving away a Mercedes. Um, and the uh, tickets are hundred dollars to enter. You don't have to be there to win, but if you want to win a Mercedes, there are only five thousand. So you have a one in five thousand chance of getting a brand new Mercedes from Mercedes of Plano. A um, hundred dollar ticket. Um, you um, uh, you can just go to mercuryone.org and uh, slash m one ball and click on the raffle tickets, and you can you can do that. Or you can get the tickets. What? You loan me hundred dollars. Just a hundred? No, <laughs> no, yeah, no. Uh, i go back. You'll be stopped every time you pull anywhere in a Mercedes. They'll be like, <laughs> where, "Jeff Fisher, where'd you where'd you steal that from?" Um, anyway, go to mercuryone dot slash m one ball for all of the information. It is going to be happening. When is this, David? November nineteenth. November nineteenth. Yes, November nineteenth, um, and we're going to be there. Stu and Pat hopefully will be there. Jeffy will be someplace, probably by the garbage in the back, <sighs> rummaging through. Uh, and are we going to do an auction of, of items? Do you know? Uh, that is planned. Yes, okay. sir. Last, last time we auctioned some historic items. And we and still would plan that again. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. It's a fun event, uh, and it, it helps us keep the lights on, and we would love to have you there uh, November 19th uh, here in uh, Texas, in Dallas. And uh, the tickets um, all go to, to cover the cost of keeping our doors open they are expensive, three hundred and fifty dollars, because there's very few people that are coming. But we want you there, and you can um, help us just by buying a raffle ticket. Yeah, hundred dollars, you have a good shot of winning a Mercedes. It's a good cause. Yeah, and the person that won last time was not there. Um right. It was just somebody, right? It was just somebody yeah. who was listening to the show, and they yeah, they right. drove away with a brand new Mercedes, was shipped it up to him. So it's it's pretty cool. Um, David, thank you so much. Um, there is also, if you're interested, we're so out of time. I'm going to. We're going to talk some more um, on Facebook Live at the top of the hour. Um, but uh, I'd love you to uh, listen to that because we also have to tell you about what's happening because of the hurricane. Mm-hmm. Mercury One is, is on the ground there and some updates. And we need some help in that area as well. Um, but, David, thank you as always. My pleasure, bro. Okay. Um, let me tell you about the best mattress that you will ever sleep on. Uh, it is Casper. And you don't have to take my word for it. I always tell you, don't take my word for stuff. Try it out for yourself. This is it. Do your own homework. For a hundred nights, you can have it in your home. Uh, they will deliver it right to your door. Comes in a little box. It's easy. You could even just put it on your old mattress. Um, you just put it put it on your uh, bed and open that box up, and a mattress springs out. It's quite an amazing thing. It's a foam mattress. Um, how they get it into the box? I'd like to see a video of because it's a teeny itty bitty box and a giant mattress. These mattresses are a bet for the top of the line Casper. Biggest mattress they make is under a thousand dollars. You can't buy a good mattress for a king size anywhere close to that. A really good mattress. This is the best of the best. Pat has one. I have one. Neither of us could sleep on this if it was a if it was bad for backs. This is great. We sleep better. It. Doesn't, it's, not, it's a foam mattress, but you're not hot all night. Go to Casper.com and use the promo code BECK. Get $50 off the purchase of your mattress. Terms and conditions do apply. It's Casper.com. If you don't like it after 100 nights, call them up. They come pick it up, take it away, and refund every penny. Casper.com. Offer code BECK. Casper.com. This
0: is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.
4: you 're getting such a good name and showing people the Christians and the Yazidis in the Middle East um, what it really means to love there um, I was just telling the guys um, we moved a whole community up to the northernmost regions of Iraq. they would not leave the country because they said we cannot leave it in spiritual darkness so we moved them and you know bought this whole area and for, with how, you know houses or condos and everything for these, this whole community, and the priests had to go up with us we left and the priests had to go door to door as the families were moving in and they told us afterwards the conversation was the same in every place they were all crying and they said this is going away they're they're going to pull this away from us what is the what's the catch here and the priests were like thought they were being tricked or something Yeah, the priests were like yeah you you don't understand these americans are different and the comment every time was why Nobody cares about us. The world doesn't care about us. Why? Why are these people doing this? And it is so nice to be able to have the priest look them in the eye, tears running down their cheeks going, no, these people just want you to know they love you and they are praying for you. I mean, think of that. Think of that. You're doing it. 4,000 people have been moved to safety in Iraq and Syria because of you. And something really, truly miraculous is is coming, and we invite you to be a part of it. You can donate now, mercuryone.org slash Nazarene Fund, or Nazarene, just go to Mercury1.org, find out all the details. Do your homework and join us.
0: This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.